Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the media by us. Joining me today are TJ. Hello. Brent. Hi. In absentia is David. He has things to take care of today. We're talking about our watch list today, and then we're going to get into some news, and we call that breezy on the streets. And then we're going to get to what's coming out in theaters that we would recommend sight unseen. Yeah, we've recommended some duds yeah. over the course of this podcast. Since We yeah, are sorry. In, in the era where I understood why we did this segment, <laughs> uh, I've fallen prey. Snowman was a <laughs> rough wreck. Apparently. I don't think anybody's seen it yet, but well, yeah, it's not, not doing well. Yeah. I mean, one of our first ones was The Circle. <laughs> me, and yeah. TJ, me and TJ went to see Logan, and uh, we came more like, okay, Logan was great, but this movie looks insanely good. <laughs> it's going to be one of the worst movies of the year. We're first going to talk about watch list. Does anyone want to kick it off, or do we want to start out by saying uh, talking about the thing that we all watched, which is our reality TV dump? Yeah, we can do that. You got a couple that me and Brent don't watch. Do you want to dive into those? Sure. So great. And I want to say, you know, since since David's gone, I don't have anyone to bounce the MTV bullshit off of. But kind of exciting week in the challenge this week. They gave some players the opportunity to take some big shots. Send people straight to the Redemption House if they want a challenge. Um, instead of like making them fight in the Presidio and then the loser goes. Yeah. Um, on the women's side, there were two camps. It was the Jenna Kayla Alliance and the Camilla Maria camp. So the first one are kind of like the young, athletic, strong competitors. The other side, Carmaria and Camilla, are the strong veterans who are, you know, Camilla's record in eliminations is ridiculous. She's over like 700. What does an elimination consist of? Like, it's. Is it devoting? No. The episode, the normal episode arc is they do a challenge and they're broken into teams in some way. Mm-hmm. So whether it's teams of four, teams of five, or just pairs, um, or it's all individual heats. And whoever wins, either team or individual, they get to choose somebody who wasn't a winner of that challenge to go straight into the elimination challenge. Then the second person is decided by a voting process of the group of winners. So the individual winners choose one immediately and the group of winners or the group of non-losers, depending on how they split the teams, Uh votes and then consensus Decides who goes down. And then the two people do a challenge and the loser goes home. Right. Okay. So, like, <clears throat> this week, what they had to do was they had to get on these, like, kind of hamster wheel looking things. And they had to jump on top of it, roll on it to spool up this rope that had a 50-pound weight on it. And if they fell off, they'd have to run back around, jump back on it, and do it again. And once that weight crossed a certain line, you won. The other person goes it goes. Home in quotes because now they've got Redemption House basically all season. It's just, it's have they done Redemption House before? Yeah. Okay. It's similar to Survivor's Redemption Island. Yeah. Which is what they got. Oh right. Well, this it's Dirty Thirty, so they're doing all like the stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Any anything where they can add like a curve, they do. And so this is the third Redemption House this season. So they do like you know the house will get full and then they'll do one challenge and then the top man top woman. Come out, join the challenge again. And then elimination, elimination, elimination. And then when it's full again, top man, top woman. Uh, okay. So um, in the split between the men and the women, uh, in the split between the, the, the women, 
with the young people that kind of controlled the destiny of all the women. They sent Car Maria straight to Redemption House by being on the winning team. And then they sent her her ally, Camilla, into uh, Elimination, which she came out of. And then they sent her into Elimination again, which she came out of. But so they keep... The, the, the young women are in charge and keep taking big shots at the champs. Similarly, the guys team... Uh, one of the guys who was part of the Johnny Bananas veterans team uh, had been... He finally did the math and realized that like he's the newest member of the Johnny Bananas team. And when it gets down to him and the rest of them, he's the first one to go. So he allied himself with this guy who they keep eliminating and who keeps coming back from redemption. And they sent Johnny Bananas into elimination against one of his alliance members. And the alliance member beat Bananas. So Bananas is... Low odds to come back now, which huh. is a big thing because Bananas has won <laughs> so many, won six challenges. He's won something like three quarters of a million dollars just on the challenge. So That's Bananas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy episode of that, um, but you know, not much conversation worthy. And then <clears throat> on Are You the One, they're finally figuring out the puzzle. Yay. So, are, they, are they loop style solving it? No, they're not. But so that was the easiest way to do it. But so they went from... So we've talked about how it works with the beam ceremony, right? Uh-huh. 11 people, they match up. They get a number of beams for the perfect matches. They don't tell them who's a match. So first episode, they had two. Second episode, they had one. Third episode, they had one. Fourth, fourth episode, they had three. Fifth episode, they had four. And this was just the fifth episode. Uh, or four, then three. Or just, sorry, it went three, one, one, two, three. So okay. they just they just had three, and the reason why is because the girls decided because the alternates which who picks their perfect match between men and women, women decided uh, we've had very few beams, so we're going to let the people who think that their perfect matches like and have sat together when we've gotten beams to sit together. And so there's three couples that got to do that. Everyone else picked whoever they wanted. And it didn't make sense, and it pissed a lot of people off, and it made the new hosts say, like, y'all aren't playing with your hearts. Um, but they got three. So they're finally figuring out that there's there's a logic game there somewhere. Right. And so it's just a matter of time before someone, like, breaks out, like, an Excel spreadsheet or, like, takes a whiteboard and says, like, these people sat together. We got one beam. They also sat together in all of these, and we didn't get the right number of beams, but these people did. So they can start... Building right. probability tables, um, which I think happens off camera because it's not compelling TV, mm-hmm. but it's what everyone who watches from home shouts at them, like, just plot it out. Please yeah. plot it out. Right. So that's heating up. So I think they're, they're they're getting close to cracking the nut. But that's, that's, that's the MTV Roundup challenge, which has been pretty boring so far all season. It's finally getting interesting, and Are You the One is still irritating, but, yeah. It's a kind of irritation I've been pulled towards. Survivor. Survivor was good this week. Yeah, it was. It was. It was good. Uh, I do like that they are. They seem to be inserting idols that, or not idols. Well, idols that do different things or advantages that do different things and that have to be done quickly. Yeah, I like the single episode idols. I do too. Uh, I like it a lot because it was it was wild last year to see. Sari, uh, 
And it was fun watching that episode, the way she got eliminated, but I never want to see that again. Like, I don't want to see right. people, I don't want to see, like, five or six idols in different pockets. Right. It was just impressive that they made it that far. Yeah. Yeah. But um, people are so good at playing that game now. Especially the people last year. You know. They, they were all returning players. Right. So that, that helped. Um, returning players play a little more aggressively. Yeah. Than, than noobs. Can you, will you explain the, the the secret advantage that was utilized? Well, so yeah, I misunderstood it at the time because so did I. It took me by surprise when he read it. I don't know if that was. I think that was intended. Yeah. So you think they? I mean, okay, they had to have. If none of us picked up on that yeah. before he read it out loud, but uh, Jessica, uh, one of the former healers mm-hmm. uh, on her new tribe, she won. She found a secret uh, advantage, and it basically said that if she went to tribal council, she would get to negate someone's vote. If she, if her tribe didn't go to tribal council, she would then get to uh, negate some vote on the team that does go right to tribal council. And I actually was under the impression she would get to pass her advantage to someone on that team, and they would get to negate a vote, which is still a possibility. That that happened. It's possible it happened. We they just, just didn't show it. Right. I yeah. feel like they would have shown it. I feel yeah. like they would have too. But instead, she actually got to pick the vote that got negated. Right. Uh, which she chose poorly, in my opinion. Devon. I wonder if she was just trying to take away the, the possibility of a swing vote. Make somebody draw rocks. Just throw that, chaos into people. Make that, them freak out. That she really doesn't like her teammates that are on that trial. Right. That much. Her old team. The the healers there. She doesn't like Joe. And I don't think she like. Well, I don't know. She might like Desi. Fine, but she she really doesn't know enough about him. It is. A, it was a strange choice. It's. I think it's interesting to me because you're taking because the way they, they also did a, a tribe swap. They did a, a tribe swap because the the hustlers kind of got decimated. Right. Last few oh, episodes. Right. Yeah, I forgot that. So then Devin, who was once a hustler, is now on a team with two heroes and two healers. Which can either be an immediate expulsion or can give him a lot of power as the swing vote. Um, and I wonder if it was a calculated decision to be like, I don't want him to have power in this vote. Mm-hmm. I want it to play out however it plays out. But she knew that Joe had an idol. Maybe, maybe it was a long-term thing, thinking that Joe is going to use his idol. I want his idol to be gone. Oh, uh, that's a good idea. Yeah, maybe she's just trying to right that she's trying to flush out the idol. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. You want to flush it out immediately. Yeah, but I, I feel like, and this is nothing the producers could have seen coming. But if that challenge, if that advantage was something we thought was what we thought it was going to be, it would have been very interesting to see if they figured out that math. Mm-hmm. Um, for people okay. who don't watch or don't understand, since so Devin is in a. Uh, five-person group with, like Chris was saying, two heroes, two healers. And at the time, we thought he was going to get to block one person's vote. Right. He was already siding with the two heroes. So it was statistically impossible for his side to lose right. if he had a vote to block. This, if this they season. figured out the math, yeah. Because yeah. apparently uh, last season, that would not have been the case. It would have gone straight to rocks. It would have gone straight to rocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, this season, though, Jeff made the announcement at the beginning of the season that no more no more rocks. Or, or not no more rocks. They can still get rocks, but it takes a... No, they get be, to re-vote. It takes, it takes 
eliminating the people who weren't voted for, which in this case would have been the person who played the immunity idol, and then they would have re-voted... It took. Minus votes for Joe. Say the heroes plus Devin, we're going to vote for... Uh, what's her name? Desi. 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 Um, all it takes is Devin changing his vote to Joe, blocking Joe's vote. Mm-hmm. Joe plays idol for either one of them at that point. It doesn't matter. There's a tie between whoever... Or they Desi votes for. Desi voted for. And whoever Devin voted for. And it may not even be a tie. Right. It could have they could have guessed right and gone two and then the one for Joe and Joe played it on himself and then Desi goes home. Right. I think that I also think that, that Joe celebrated way too much. I don't think that he understands how little he actually was in control of what happened. Yeah. It's a coin flip. Yeah, it is. It is a. You read her face, baby he girl. Can, he can think he read. Yeah, her face. That's, that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Again, he, I think he thinks he's a detective, right? When he's a probation officer. Good on Devin and her though, in playing that uh, the way they did after he was all that did all that gluten. Because it would have been so hard for me not to have been like, we just flushed out your fucking idol pre-merge, you idiot. Yeah, like. Sure. I also I also think it's a smart vote the way it goes down because if you think about the game as calculated as you can, then you have to be able to predict that Joe blows up Desi and the healers as soon as he starts like going in there bitching and bragging and already makes it a coin toss. Like to me, it seems almost inevitable that Desi and Joe have to talk and go like Desi goes like I've got your back if you play that immunity idol on me, and only if you play it on me. Like that—that that seems like an inevitability. The way that Joe like fucked their strategy, so, because he 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 went from them having a viable strategy and playing the idol, and it going from a coin flip to like a seventy-five percent shot that he doesn't go home until he acts all bombastic, and then they start having to like game calculations. Yeah. So if, if that tribe goes goes again, do you guys think Devin's gone or do you think Desi's gone? It's two two now, right? Kind of it's two two. Oh yeah, that's right. It's it's yeah. I mean, it's right. Or do you think they get rid of the other hero? Get rid of the other hero. So the total hustlers and total hero, heroes is way lower than total. I I don't know. I, I bet they they take Joe out if they can. I just don't. I don't you think, think that Desi will will come over and take Joe out? Yeah. Yeah, he I mean, because De- Desi is the most manipulatable yeah. out of that group that they can just be like, "We'll fucking go rocks." Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, and, I don't and really, she would probably believe him. She hasn't had a lot of camera time. I was about to say, I hesitate to agree just because I, I haven't seen much of her. It'll be interesting to see next episode how she shakes out after saying, "Like Joe, if you don't play that idol for me, I'm not. I don't have your back anymore." Like, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying she's manipulatable, manipulatable. <laughs> anyway, uh, because of the way that she just let Joe. Stomp all over and yeah. make their plan for her, and it was kind of a shitty plan. Yeah, and she didn't argue yeah. with them at all. Well, a million dollars. I mean, that I saw. We could always talk about yeah. off camera stuff, but that was a bad plan. Yes, that, they got lucky. Yeah, and she didn't. That I saw try to change that at all. For me, I think it's because he had the idol. It's one of those like, you know, like characters in movies. When it's like the guy with the gun makes the plan, and you're yeah. just like, and now next yeah, episode, yeah. like the guy with the gun is out of bullets, right? So let's get rid of the guy who just took, you know, twelve shots at us. And I mean, again, f- flushing idols is huge, and maybe she is super smart, and she was like, "Yeah, if I can use your idol on week five, 
Perfect. How how does the restocking go? Like like now is that idol hidden around that camp again? Yeah, probably. Is it hidden back around the yellow camp, or is it hidden around their camp? We don't. Uh, I don't know. We don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. There could be zero idols in the woods now. True. They 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 can change it up from year. Brent was, Brent was saying who's you know watched way more Survivor than either yeah. one of us that they producers do a good job right of doling them out. Well, of keeping the show paced and changed. Yeah. But the thing is, even though we may not know, I'm pretty sure they know. The contestants know. They know the rules. And they know how it will generally work when they go out there. They don't know, like, necessarily that tribes will may switch or anything like that. Because right. that is a that is an audible that the producers call mid-season. Right. But you think they tell them, like, there are X amount of idols or there are idols? There will, there will always be an idol? There will always be something. Well, because, like, Ty figured out, like... Oh, I was at this camp, and, it, and the clue was on the well. So I'm at this new camp. I'm gonna dig around the well, right? And then he got two idols so fast mm-hmm. because he just knew, like, if they're hiding it here for this camp, why wouldn't they hide it there for the other camp? God, the episode a few weeks ago where he was like, where Joe found his idol was so infuriating. Where the guy was like, "Oh, that's not the raft. That's the well." <laughs> it's like, uh, you should have been like, "Yep, that's definitely the raft." <laughs> <laughs> Was it the dumb guy that, that Jessica likes? Cole? Yeah. 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 God, Cole is a... Cole is not going to be long for this game because Cole tells everyone everything. Yeah. All the fucking time. He's got Patrick-itis. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like this game has like... It's a, it's eight, a new player syndrome. Eight really yeah. dumb dudes and then Ryan. <laughs> like Ryan the Marine? <laughs> no. Oh, I guess, I guess PJ. Ben? Ben. Ben. I like Ben a lot. Yeah, Ben's, I like Ben, and I like Ryan's this really skinny guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the two of them, and I like Dr. Mike, but I don't know if Dr. Mike really gets it. Could not even tell you who Dr. Mike Urologist. is. Urologist. Oh, the kind of the, the small guy. The dumpy one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, but the good news is, Alan's gone. That yeah. psychopath is off the show. Yeah. <laughs> like, he didn't look at anyone with his, like, eyeballs. He looked at everyone with his whole face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be stuck on an island with that dude ever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good it's a good early travel for me, just because I like it when they get rid of people who have no chance no chance of winning. Yeah, let's get rid of the riffraff. Yeah, so hopefully Joe's gone because Joe has no shot at, at, at winning a final three. I accidentally said riffraff, and uh, they're doing a champs for celebrities the challenge, uh-huh. kind of their mid season filler. And they got it's, riffraff from the Rocky Horror. No, they, they got Riff Raff the Rapper. Oh, nice. Who's going to be on the celebrities team. But I don't, anyway. don't even know who that is. <laughs> you, you should look at his facial hair. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. Somebody want to do a watch list? Yeah, I watched uh, one movie. Well, I watched two movies. I'm only going to talk about one. I'm not going to spend 20 minutes on my four-night watch of Minions. Although it was delightful. <laughs> you watched Minions every night for four nights? Yep. For twenty minutes. Well, which one was, was your, over? Oh, so which one was your favorite viewing of Minions? <laughs> now I watched about twenty minutes of it each night this week as I was dozing off. It was actually pretty funny, but it's a cartoon. Uh, but yeah, I went and saw the Florida Project uh, last night. It had its. Uh, well, you're skipping past your hot takes of Minions. Yeah, there are no hot takes of Minions. <laughs> Kevin was funny. Can you review Florida Project but in Minion voice? In Minionese. This will be the second time we talk about banana. <laughs> um, Florida Project, though, it is a an Oscar darling, an early Oscar darling. Um, I can't remember the director's name right now. But this guy directed Tangerine, the uh, transgender iPhone movie that came out last year. God. 
<laughs> Chris just showed us riff raff. That's why we're <laughs> reacting. Yeah, <laughs> riff. The the, the 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 caption for it was riff raff gives a tour of his extravagant codeine castle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Florida project. You say it's pretty bad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know where I was. Do you know where I was? Start over. Florida Project. <sighs> you weren't that far into it. Didn't work that hard. I was about to say, you're, what are you going to lose? Eight words? Well, I would have looked up the damn director by now, you shit fucks. Tangerine director. I'll look it up. Uh, yeah. Florida Project. Uh, early Oscar favorite. I think I said that. Uh, director. The guy who directed Tangerine last year, which is the transgender iPhone movie. Uh, Sean Baker. I thought this was going to be riffraff. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep introducing elements of riffraff chaos. Chris looked up the director for me. I was like, God damn it, Chris. <laughs> Wait, start oh, over. Holy hell. <laughs> All these I know. I, girlfriends. Jesus Christ. Okay. So, last night, I went and saw the Florida Project. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, fourth time. Last night, I went and saw the Florida Project. It's an early Oscar favorite starring Willem Dafoe and a bunch of other people you don't... Uh, no, it was really, really good. Directed by Sean Baker, who directed Tangerine last year. Movie about uh, transgender Los Angeles residents shot with uh, iPhones. And uh, I think Brent saw that. And you said you, like, you couldn't really tell it was shot with iPhones, right? It was like handheld yeah. cameras, kind of. Yeah, I mean, hearing that didn't shock me, but at the same time, it... I it wasn't like right somebody holding an iPhone running around. Mm-hmm. One of the most heartbreaking movies I've seen in a long time, though. The Florida Project. Where do you rate it on a scale of This Is Us? Oh, it's way worse than This Is Us. Oh, wow. Um, it's extremely sad. Uh, child acting is fantastic. Willem Dafoe, I think, will definitely end up with an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor. He's the early favorite to win. Um, Have to compete against himself from Death Notes. <laughs> yeah. And himself from What Happened to Monday. <laughs> And Sam Rockwell apparently is getting new love. By the way, I know we're all Sam Rockwell fans. Yeah, is he in uh, it? No, he's in a. He's going to be in three billboards. All uh, right, and uh, be a fun, fun year at the Oscars if so, I can get Sam Rockwell, Willem Dafoe, and Gary Oldman all nominated for stuff. This is a movie that not a ton of people. That's not going to get a lot of trailers on uh, on TV. So, can you tell us kind of briefly what it's about? It is about um, rundown, kind of a. Weekly stay hotels outside of uh, Disney World complexes in mm. Orlando. Um, you see them if you drive through the interstates. There, they uh, they're painted awful colors of like pink and purple. They're run down. Mm-hmm. They suck. Your hands. Weird people yeah. live there. They're thirty eight dollars a week. They make you move rooms every week so you don't establish residency. Mm. Um, and it's a fucking like the outskirts of Orlando, like the shittiest part of the country. Uh, literally nothing there except, you know, tourists. Um, so it's about a little girl, seven or eight years old, who lives there, maybe a little younger, with her stripper mother, who's a bad influence, drugs and booze mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, Willem Dafoe plays the manager of the hotel. It's pretty much shot through the eyes of these kids, though. Uh, kids that have parents like hers that just fucking run amok. And like light you on fire and go like ask for money and steal waffles from the trash can waffle house and mm-hmm. like share an ice cream cone. I don't know. It's 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 very uh real, all of it. Uh these kids are just horrible. It's their summer break though. 
and it's it's okay. heartbreaking because the, the kids are bad kids, but they're so young, it's not like they're evil kids. Right. right. Uh, and you feel bad for the moms that, you know, I, mean, I don't know, who knows, I know all y'all do, but like, she's covered in tattoos, like, you can't get a job at Disney World, which is the only place to work. Right. Anywhere near there. Um, they're just kind of stuck there. It, it's, it's about those kids and the struggles with the mom and uh, defects in government and just shitty people that prey on dissolute poor folk. Yeah. And it's just super sad. Highly recommended though. It was a beautiful movie. No score, which was, I don't mm. want to call it brave, but it was interesting. And I, I liked it. There were two songs in it and they were at the beginning and the end. It was just really, really good. Really well done. If not brave, that's at least a very bold choice. Yeah. Uh, well, the music in the movie, it makes it more of a, I don't want to call it a character, but brings it to light more and it's a, Real shitty rap is what they listen to. Like, just the worst rap. And it's constantly playing in the background. But yeah, that's all I saw. I definitely recommend it if, if it's shown at a theater you're new. It's showing in one screen in Atlanta, so. Okay. Uh, I'm going next. So, I saw, on TJ's recommendation, I saw the Terrence Malick film Song to Song. <laughs> um Actually, I think I probably liked it more than TJ did, but I still didn't really like it all that much. I thought there were just—I thought there were some elements that were decent, but mostly it was just Rooney Mara and her her part in the movie. It's not a movie I would recommend to anyone out there to go see, um, or not go see, but but watch it. it. It is on Amazon Prime if you get the itch. It could be bored for two. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's worth mentioning just because it's the kind of movie that would catch your attention if you don't know what it is. Like, it's the kind of movie. I mean, it's Michael Fassbender, Ryan Gosling, Natalie Portman, Rooney Mara, Kate Blanchett, Kate Blanchett, Val Kilmer, <laughs> Iggy Pop, Anthony Kiedis, Flea, Flea, uh, and it makes it seem like it might be just like a, I don't know, a fun. <laughs> Uh, music based movie yeah. ooh Austin cool and there's really not that much music it's not really about music <laughs> it is or Austin even <laughs> no. uh, it's not about anything the one thing that it is about the, the, the moments where it's good is that you're already wrong <laughs> <laughs> is when Rooney Mare's character uh, basically throws away her shot at love with Ryan Gosling because she has bought into a lifestyle sort of before knowing really what it even is. And so she just wants to quote unquote live song to song and be like a free spirited young 20 something who is in multiple relationships and whatever. And she just being a free spirit more or less. And she later realizes that she blew her shot with the one love of her life. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, if I ever pick anything over love, <laughs> a life of love with Ryan Gosling, slap me in the face. <laughs> okay, um, I picked wrong. Yeah, so I, I feel like you do connect to her character a little bit, but the re- I have no idea what. I don't know why Michael Fassbender's in this movie. I really don't know why Kate Blanchett or Natalie Portman are in this movie. And then Ryan Gosling, he has nothing to do. But I don't recommend it, but... It's a big name director and big name star, so I gave it a, a minute. Um, 150, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you think it was overlong, poorly paced, and meandering? Yes. All right. I think I can be Leonard Malton now. Absolutely. <laughs> you also can describe every Terrence Malick movie. 
Um, I like Tree Life, though. I know. Yeah, no, no. I mean, people love that movie. I, I've never seen it, so I shouldn't talk shit about it. But I went to see Blade Runner 2049. Yeah? Fucking loved it. Nice. I loved it. Yes. Really good. <laughs> it's more of a... It's more of a story than the first one. More of a, a plot-based story, like good. with moving along, which is something <laughs> some people what I didn't like about the first. Some people mentioned. may prefer less. It's less themey, but it still has mm-hmm. a strong thematic presence too. I think there's still. I won't get into it too much, but it's it's. Uh, I highly recommend it. Also, I absolutely recommend a theater experience yeah. for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Go sit close to sorry. Go sit close to the screen, and that moment when Gosling goes through the desert is mesmerizing. Oh, on yeah. a screen that's like right in front of you. Yeah, it's 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 a beautiful movie. Beautiful movie. How's it compare you to uh, mainly? This is for Chris. I know Brent was a fan of both apparently, but how's it compare to? Hard for me not to compare it to Mad Max the way y'all are talking about it and the mm. way that movie is set up as a sequel-esque film. I feel like it's more meditative and deliberate in the things that it takes from the first movie. Where Mad Max is kind of, let's take Thunder Road, or Thunder Dome and Mad Max 2 and dial it up. Let's take it all, crank it to fucking 11. Yeah. Yeah. Blade Runner is really meticulous in the things that it wants to pull as strands into the sequel. Um, and kind of, it, it's just like an, an excellent selection where, and they, they do leave stuff behind in the original Blade Runner that is like, it was good to kind of leave that alone. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the big monologues from Rucker Hauer are kind of transposed into, you know, Jared Leto's character, but <clears throat> it doesn't get deliberately vague the way that Rucker Hauer's dialogues kind of, or monologue kind of felt like. Just like creeping out Harrison Ford, just like for the purpose of creeping him out. Mm-hmm. So one other question that I want to answer to, um, and major major plot spoilers coming up for both Blade Runners. Skip ahead twenty seconds if you don't want that. Um, I don't want to know the answer, but is there an answer to a definitive answer to Harrison Ford being a replicant or not? No, no. Okay. The the question is very much asked again. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a similar different question, right? Um, and they ask another related question, which is very interesting. Cool. Yeah. About yeah, I'm excited. I'm waiting humanity for the, and replicants. The better half to uh, finish the first one. She you, fell fell asleep. You really don't need to. It's her though. I know. I know. <laughs> That's. I would go see it without ever seeing Blade Runner. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought they did a fantastic job rebuilding that world. And, yeah. And that's like that's the biggest element of the original Blade Runner that I think was great was sure. the world building and the attention to detail. And it's not a shock that Denis Villeneuve figured that out and yeah. and did it. Uh he is after watching that movie, he is the master of building tension when there's not action. Oh yeah. There's the one scene that I talked to Al about that's just like it is imprinted on my fucking brain. Is a scene where all it is is Ryan Gosling slowly walking towards a wall, mm-hmm. and it's that, and like the sound and like the the camera movement, like tight into his face while it zooms into the to what he's walking towards, is just fucking incredible. Mm. Yeah, and there's really nothing going on, but it's like the scenes from Arrival 
where it's just like the slow panning shots away from, I forget what they were called, like the obelisks, yeah. or just them slowly going up in the scissor lift or just standing in the room with the heptapods. Yeah, I compared it to Arrival in that like he builds tension in Arrival. <laughs> he makes it like one of the most tense scenes of the year last year for me was them trying to figure out just the language. Mm-hmm. And if you put that on paper and you're just like, oh, aliens land and linguists try to figure out what they're saying, that does not seem as exciting or interesting as like a battle between aliens and humans or something like right. that, you know, when you're pitching it to someone. But he manages to make it incredibly tense. And there are a ton of scenes in Blade Runner that do the same thing. I will say, though, that uh, I didn't know who did the score for Blade Runner. I should have known as I was listening to it until the credits popped up because uh, it said it was, a, it was a score by Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should have known because uh, the whole movie I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, they are bramming the hell out of this movie just with yeah. the Inception, those brams, the... Yeah. <laughs> uh, <It> scared me. <laughs> yeah. Well, he tried to get Christian Jurgens, who I think scored... Arrival, oh. but Jurgens couldn't do it. Oh. So then it's Zimmer and somebody else. Forget, but it's, it's the two of them together. Yeah, um, but it is it is a very bassy score. Yes, and the, the the theater I saw go to a go to a nice theater for Blade Runner because I did not, and uh, there was some there was some fuzz coming off the speakers after all the bass. Yeah, nice. yeah it was not. Uh, didn't have the best speaker system, but I highly recommend the movie. Uh, Especially if you like the original, like mm-hmm. it, it is, it's a very satisfying follow up to it. Cool. Um, it's 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 my so far, it is this year's Arrival, and Mad Max. It's, it's occupying that space where it's like, if I'm picking something to be my favorite of the year, it's got to do more by buckets in like acting and performances and story because technically Blade Runner is just like so tight. Yeah, it's really impressive. Cool. Watched a couple of Netflix original movies as well. Nice. Uh, I watched Death Note, which has been talked about on the podcast before. I wrote a review for the website for uh, Death Note, so you can go to Media Bias and check out the review. Uh, check out all reviews, because TJ wrote, is going to have one up probably by the time you listen to this for um, Florida Project. And also David, who can't be with us right now, is... Uh, he he's got some reviews up as well. Um, what he watched? We said we talk about something that he watched. Oh, actually, it's the okay. next thing that I watched. But anyway, Death Note. I will pretty much my review pretty much echoes what Chris and David had to say about Death Note, which was a very tolerable movie. I mean, you can not. It's not hard to make it through it. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. I don't think anyone's gonna be like. I don't think their their pop culture is gonna be enhanced any by watching this movie, but. I think if it's the kind of thing that interests you, hey, it's an hour and forty minutes or so that, and you can you can probably be mildly entertained by this just generic fun. It's a fine movie. It was a little disappointing because I think the the gears behind the plot, so to speak, are are really cool, and I think they could have done something really fun with the movie. The sound, the premise was always super interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. and it depends but, if you're that interested in the premise, just watch the anime. There you go. Like the yeah. anime is really good. Um, also, what if you really like the anime? Enough. Read the manga. The manga is even better. Nice. So it's kind of how it goes, right? <laughs> it's just, it's the more diluted the, yeah. it has been, yeah, the worse it is. 
I also watched uh, Gerald's Game, which is a review David has written for the site, and uh, I was really impressed with Gerald's Game. Gerald's Game is really good, and I actually think it's the scariest Stephen King adaptation of the year. Uh, I've heard it called the best Stephen King adaptation maybe of all time. It's... I think I like it more. It. 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 Yeah. It, that, the movie. It, the movie. I <laughs> it's, liked, it's getting confusing when I talk about mine. Um, the title of the movie is uh, mine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm waiting. We're going to uh, talk about it, it and mine, and me, you, and everyone we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've read the books. I know the story, so you're not going to... I've talked to Chris about it. I watched it, so it's, we're not yeah, spoiling anything. So you're free. For us. Um, I haven't seen the movie yet. Well, also, I mean, I, I, it's... The spoilers in it, I'll stay away from the, the ending, not that the ending is a right. Shyamalan twisty thing or anything, but it's a... Uh, oh, the... Uh, I guess in a way. That, yeah. You're talking that about seems the, minor to me. The Midnight... As, moonlight. Moonlight. Yeah. As, as, as a Stephen King novice... Sorry. Um, I thought it was kind of, you know, out of left field for me, a little, little Shyamalan ding dong but... Yeah. Yeah. I think that actually... Takes a little out of the story for me. That was my the last five minutes of that movie kind of blew it for me. I still I still really liked everything up until that point, but there's an epilogue on it that I just like. Fuck why? So big spoiler alert if you're in podcast land. Are you talking about the fact that he's real? Ruins it. I mean, not just the fact that he's real. Just everything involving him, kind of for the movie, was just sort of. I, nah, yeah, I guess I guess that he's real. I guess yeah. that he's real. Because the the him the her dreaming that he's like licking her feet, and then it turns out to be the dog is like really gross and yeah. clever. Yeah. And him standing in the corner with like the box of trinkets and the glowing eyes at yeah. times are really uh, it's 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 a good scary presence. His, yeah, as we was gonna say, his presence is great, but after she escapes from the house, it does a voiceover epilogue narrative where she's like I moved back to New Orleans goes and to, I had a does it go to the courtroom I think it does yeah, yeah. goes to the courtroom and you know she you know like I thought you were much taller and it's just like it was a it was a a hokey ending yeah to the movie but that being <clears> said I still think I still highly recommend the movie because everything leading up to that is really good who's the director and writer don't know um I don't know the director. Because, I mean, this, this... Yes, I do. It's the... I don't know the guy's name, but I mentioned it on our horror talk. The director did something we've talked about recently. The director is Mike Flanagan. Fuck, this and guy. he did... Absentia, Oculus, Hush Before I Wake. Hush. Oh, Hush. And yeah, we were talking about Hush. Hush, yeah. Okay. It's that same kind of confined horror movie thriller mm-hmm. that we, uh, that's in Gerald's Game and Hush. I mean, it is a, a self described, probably incorrectly, Stephen King. I don't know. I know a lot about Stephen King. Um, it was always, Gerald's Game was always the uh, unadaptable story. It's, it's it, just, it was, it was its, that was its. Because it's you just know, her it's lying forever. on a bed. You needed a fantastic performance. You needed a fantastic screenplay. I think Carla Gugino. Yeah, uh, yeah. Carla Gugino uh, delivers that performance. I think she's nice. fantastic in the movie. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Greenwood's perfect as Gerald too. He's, Greenwood's good in every. He's solid in every movie he's in. Yeah. Jeff Howard is the screenplay. 
I'm trying to look at whatever what else he did. He's there are lots of interviews with Jeff Howard about adapting this. Yeah. That other sites have written about that might be good to take a look at. It looks like he's paired up with uh, Mike Flanagan a lot. Cool. He wrote Oculus. Wrote Before I Wake. Ouija, The Origin of Evil, oh, and Ouija. and the 2016 reboot. Oh, I know what you did last summer. So not what? much. <laughs> I didn't know that that fucking happened either. Oh, oh. No, no, I think I do remember that now. Mm. So one thing I've talked to Chris and David about the graphics and the the degloving scene. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I didn't watch it. Also, the her backstory uh, with her dad. Oh God, yeah, that's that's worse in the book. Obviously, they could have cut away from that and did not, and it makes the whole thing way more unsettling. That is a just a. Yeah, those two two parts of that movie were yeah tough to watch, but really well done. I mean, it really, I think yeah. it made it. I think it made the movie better. Yeah, it made the movie good. <laughs> and I understand why people call it unadaptable because it's pretty essential. Because all those cut those like flashbacks, that's where she gains her strength from in all of her moments where she's like, "I'm just going to give up," mm-hmm. and then it's like she flashes back to the eclipse, and when she breaks the glass at the dinner table and is like, "I I can I'm going to break this glass," like I've forgotten about it like my mind is wandering yeah but like, I have tools yeah check out Gerald's game on Netflix <laughs> it's uh it's really good it's it's a good October uh it's a good creepy movie for uh for Halloween I think yeah it's Weird. not not supernatural well I mean there's some of that but it's not it's not your slasher-ish movie but it's uh it's certainly terrifying yeah the idea of that because that is something that could happen. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, don't handcuff yourself to a bed. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna tell you how to live your life. <laughs> don't have super tall bedposts. Yeah, there you go. But which, by the way, and I know this is really nitpicky and kind of stupid, but break the bed. No, the, those handcuffs look like they can go over the post, and it's the one thing she didn't try. I think it's her. She can't reach at because the same of, time. Yeah, because she's that's how tethered to the other. That's one. talked about in the book. Okay, is yeah. that because yeah. like it, it looks like she can because she can sit up. Yeah, and so if she can sit up, she I feel like she can get like from just pulling. It'll hurt her wrist from just pulling. Could maybe get her feet under her. And yeah, there's enough room in the cuffs on those bedposts that they could slip right off. There definitely wasn't enough struggling with the structure of the bed though. Yeah, the, like, yeah, fucking violently shake for a yeah. little. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something's gonna break. Yeah, you'll you'll figure out very quickly if that bed's gonna break or not, but at least try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, before you fucking remove all of the flesh and skin off your hand, <laughs> maybe that's my first go-to. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely a first try. But I'm a large man, so maybe that's you know my fault. I mean, she was able to in. she was able to fashion a straw, fashion something that could maybe retrieve your phone. <laughs> It's not that far away. Take that gigantic plank of wood that you can reach with both of your hands and maybe, like, pull it down and yes. use it to grab things. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm motioning right now loudly, but... Anyway. And it has to be a movie. I know that's right. really nitpicky right. to do that because someone in that situation could do exactly what she did. And that's the story that was told, yeah. not my stupid idea it's, of it's still, everything. It's still good, despite right. us making fun of it for that <laughs> for those reasons. Yeah. Is that yeah, it for you? That's it for me. Yeah. One or two, don't you? I, basically, just just two. Um, we finished the first season of This Is Us. 
Was it them? Sp- spoilers. It's really good. It's 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 a really emotional roller like emotionally real roller coaster. Um, is the finale William, or is there one more? There's one more. Okay. There's one more, and it's. Uh, I mean, this is last season, so I feel like it's 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 rife for talking about yeah. the plot points. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> knowing that Brent hasn't watched it, but probably Brent may not watch it. Um, I don't know. But it starts with T. It's going to be a while. <laughs> but so what? What we've seen up to this point, like the last episode, essentially ends with Kevin performing his play. Oh, he goes to and save the director's Randall. not there. No, that's no. shit. William is episode seventeen. Mm-hmm. Episode eighteen is the um, the wake by the girls and the play where he runs and leaves to go find Randall. Mm-hmm. And then episode nineteen is Randall leaving the firm. Okay, so the, that like. Four episode arc, including the trip to Memphis, um, is really good. The trip to Memphis is awesome. Yeah, I love that episode. I think that's probably my favorite of the, that season. And the funeral is really well done too. Yeah, really, really when, touching. When you realize that he did leave oh, something man. for the mom. Life. Yeah, yeah, it's heartbreaking. That was <clears throat> that was. There's so many points that show that, that that can do you in, and that's like one of them that I was like, just real heart wrenching. Yeah. Um, but it's good. Watch This Is Us. I haven't started season two yet, but hopefully I can get there soon so we can talk about it. Yeah. Because it is definitely a water cooler show. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I struggle to call it important, but I think it might be. Um, it's got fantastic performances, especially... Um, oh, my God. They won the Emmy. Randall? Yeah, I don't know his name right now. But that guy's incredible. Who? Sterling K. Brown? Yes. Yeah. I know some things. <laughs> uh, yeah, Milo Ventimiglia uh, is really good. Many more is great. Many more is great. The whole cast is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but so, yep, finished for season that. Um, I'm not going to talk about the other TV show that I watched that I put in a brief aside for, but just to let people know, I'm watching Mind Hunter, and we have um, an episode left. So I'll talk about that when we wrap, probably on our spooky cast. That's, a, that's a Netflix original, right? Netflix original docu uh, series. No, it's fiction. Oh shit! I thought it was a docu series too, because um, I didn't, I didn't read anything about it. I just saw it. Um, David Fincher. Oh wow! Yeah, they he, need to push that more on Netflix because I've I've scrolled past it a few times and had no idea it was, it was yeah. him. It is David Fincher. Ask David Fincher too. This hmm. this is like <clears throat> there's a video out by you guys know I'm in, in the in the YouTube space um, by Nerdwriter. Um, and he talks about uh, Mindhunter, um, but the, the video essay is called um, Why Does David Fincher Capture Your Eyes? And he talks about kind of the, the directorial tick of his in camera movement, kind of mimicking the pace and, and speed of actors on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a really good video. It's like six minutes. Um, cool. But Mindhunter's good. I'll talk about it later. And then I watched mine. Which was a, a Spanish directorial writing pr- production team uh, movie about a U.S. sniper and his 
uh, recon buddy. No. Okay. His recon buddy after um, a mission to assassinate some big bad um, where they don't pull the trigger because they they catch him in the middle of the desert and they realize it's a it's a it's a wedding. He's officiating a wedding between two people and has just like this moral thing that overtakes him and decides not to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. They get chased away from that and they end up walking through a minefield. And the whole movie takes place from that point on. Uh, Army Hammer's character has stepped on a mine and he can't move. And his buddy has, whatever, for spoilers for this, uh, steps on a mine and blows up. So it's Army Hammer alone in the desert <laughs> um, trying to survive the elements um, after stepping on a mine. Interesting plot. Where is it set? Afghanistan or Iraq or some some desert place that's got tons of Northern mines. California, <laughs> <laughs> Portland. <laughs> you know all those mountains in Portland. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but, how was it? It's good. I was surprised by it's it. A, it's an interesting plot, which is you know all the media bias. All four of us always say like that's your first thing you need. But it's hard for a war Based movie story. to get that, which which I thought which right. I was interested by. You know, knew nothing of it going in. Uh, which, by the way, the the U.S. debut was uh, 2017, so I'm banking that one. You're, you're taking a lead on that now. <laughs> what, what are y'all up to? How are y'all doing? And your Chris is probably pushing Chris and TJ's battle for 2017. We're both like high 30s. Yeah, the list that I wrote out had his movies and my movies, so I know that the combined were probably in the mid 50s, um, which is substantial since probably the last like 20 that I watched were in the last like month. And we'll watch like probably thirty more oh, with yeah. Oscar nominations. I mean, there's going to be what like forty movies nominated for Oscars. Maybe ten we'll have seen. Yeah. Um, but mine is mine is really good. Um, his the co-star Tommy the his like ranger buddy, um, not that good of a performance. But I mean, Army Hammer is Army Hammer. He kind of has a flat affect to everything he does. Um, he's said that maybe have a big year. Too. Yeah, he's got uh, that other movie about the gay couple and England coming out. It's supposed to be really good. Mm-hmm. But he's like, you know, his his buddy jokes around like, how did you become such a psychopath you wanted to be a, an army ranger and a sniper? And so, like, they kind of build in <clears throat> that he's kind of flat. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it helps the character. Um, but I think the, the, the really the big star of it is there is a Berber family um, who lives somewhere near the minefield who stumbles upon Army Hammer and kind of gives him some interaction mm-hmm. and the guy who plays the like the the berber is great and they kind of get into mm-hmm. um, like is the desert playing tricks on you you know you've been out here with no water no radio but surprisingly good cool mine uh is that it for what we've been watching yeah is there any, any oh, new? What? i did watch something else i watched a movie that was 2015's the great wall Oh, that's right. <laughs> the movie's called Dragon Blade. <laughs> Have you heard of it? No. So tell them the best part about Dragon Blade first. John Cusack's in it? John Cusack plays oh, a... Oh, John Cusack plays a Roman legionary. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Chris told me that. I was like, oh, yeah. That, See, John Cusack should only play movie roles that are in the current time period. Or in the 1990s. This is yeah. more evidence that directors are doing what we came up with last week, which was like they are just challenging each other. Just be like, <laughs> I bet you can't make a movie where John Cusack is a Roman centurion. Jackie Chan's a... Wait, wait, wait. So, Adrian Brody plays 
Tiberius, who is the evil brother of Lucius, the young boy who John Cusack has sworn to protect, so that Tiberius becomes the emperor's consul. And while being on the run with this boy Lucius, John Cusack bumps into none other than famous Chinese general, Brent? Famous Chinese general... (laughs) The actor who plays the Chinese general. I'm not a famous Chinese general. You gotta, you gotta guess who the famous Chinese general is. We're spitballing in the pitch meeting. Uh, who, who do we get to play? Jackie Chan. Yeah. Jackie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> what if you like? John Cusack. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a, it's just hilariously bad. And I read the reviews, and the reviews are like middling, which is hilarious because it is an awful movie that is poorly acted. But they praise the action set pieces, which is my exact review for The Great Wall. So I want to put it up on the big board. <laughs> Dragon Blade. They also build a wall in this movie. <laughs> there, this is just more evidence that Chinese production companies are taking our actors the way that we used to joke that Japanese commercials were. Except they have a lot more money to throw into it. The movie did really well in China, which is no surprise. Because it's... Got everything that Chinese audiences want to see. It's Americans and Americans and white people in trouble, and Chinese uh, home audiences get to see their their country be the heroes. <clears throat> but All right. Dragon Blade, don't watch it. Cool. Any uh, news, or do we want to jump into one real quick bit of news? Uh, Stephen King uh, said that there's uh, still plans for a Dark Tower TV series, and it. Now appears like it may be a reboot, which is was inevitable right. after they decided not to adapt a, the actual book and just call a movie Dark Tower instead. Right. So I still haven't seen the movie, but I want to. I will when it appears on something. TV adaptation is how I've always wanted it done. I never thought it would work as movies, and so that's this is so much that's exciting. Well, it did well for American Gods, and that's what everyone has been saying. Because there were rumors forever that they were going to do an American Gods movie, and everyone was like, "No, you can't do that in a movie." And now that it's a TV series, people are like, "It's too long. <laughs> <laughs> Two ten episode seasons is too many." Uh, that's it. I really haven't heard much else in the way of uh, news. Not a lot coming out, but yeah, things uh coming up. Stephen King. In the future, he's got the Castle Rock series coming out. He had uh, it and Gerald's Game got really good reviews. <clears throat> Rare for King adaptations. So this feels like early two thousands, late nineties when everyone was adapting Philip K. Dick stories. Yeah, uh, but I got a list of some things that are gonna be available to watch in the theaters this week. You want me to run them down real quick? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about any other. News um, really. So you got All I See Is You, which is a romance drama starring Blake Lively. She's blind. Jigsaw. Ugh. Suburbicon is the George Clooney directed Matt Damon funny witness protection mob story. Yeah. Produced by the Coen brothers? Uh, yeah. Maybe like half written. One of those things. Uh, Thank You for Your Service is coming out. That's the Miles Teller PTSD movie. Um, and then you got a couple of things expanding. Um, the Killing of a Sacred Deer. Is Kyle Farrell and it's the Yorgos Lanthimos? Yeah, it's the new crazy Greek director who did uh, last year's The Lobster, his new movie, which is a horror thriller mm-hmm. directed by him. So that sounds good. Uh, Wonderstruck is the new Todd Haynes movie starring Michelle Williams. Um, 
time loop weirdness. And uh, also, Leatherface. <laughs> is expanding. <laughs> so go see Leatherface. I didn't know there was a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie on the horizon. Um, out of all those, would probably pick Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah, me too. Um, I really enjoyed The Lobster, and this is supposed to be, like I said, kind of a horror thriller. Anything, uh, what's his name, does? Lanthimos. Uh, Lanthimos, yeah, that's going to be my pick. Um, out of the, the main releases, the big releases, I'd probably take Suburbicon out of those. Thank You For Your Service could be good, but not my cup of tea, really. Um, yeah, keep your eye on a few of those, but I'd probably lean Suburbicon yeah. at this point. Yeah, well, Suburbicon's not doing that well. Not, it's not doing that well. I don't know, I think... I mean, I didn't think it would. Any, I don't know. It's got a Cohen Brothers plus comedy plus George Clooney just doesn't usually work for me. <laughs> it didn't work for Hail Caesar. I liked Hail Caesar enough, but it wasn't great. Not the kind of thing that I'm rushing out to theaters to see like I would a Cohen Brothers, like yeah. actual Cohen Brothers. Right. So, um, yeah, if you can catch Killing of a Sacred Deer, it sounds like it's got our threefold applause. Yes. Yeah. And if you haven't seen The Lobster, it's, I'm sure it's still streaming somewhere. Um, or, uh, uh, God, what's the Dogtooth? Dogtooth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Dogtooth, but Chris has. Yeah, Dogtooth is a... It's a trip. It is a trip. <laughs> if, if you're into incest and you want to feel icky about everything else, that's kind of up your alley, which is a strange thing to say. A dance scene, though. <laughs> it's so good. Who's doing the outro? Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> I did the intro. You guys did intro, outro, intro, outro. I'll do outro. All right, cool. So this has been... <laughs> David, come back! <laughs> David, come back! <laughs> so this has been Talkie Talk, the podcast on the mediabias.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, in our three groups, TV by us, movies by us, and games by us, you can email us at mediabias at gmail.com. Is it the media bias or just media bias? The media bias. The media bias, media bias at gmail.com. Definite right wingers. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at media bias. We don't have an Instagram or Snapchat yet, so that's forthcoming. We want to say a big thank you to the Willow Walkers for the intro music. Willow Walker. We want to say thank you to Burifa for our outro. And I want to say thank you to you guys for not telling me that I forgot anything from the intro because I don't know if I did, but I could have and I don't really care. Thanks, TJ and Britt. Thanks, Chris. Bye, guys. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. David come back, David come back, David come back, David come back, David come back. David come back.